And we're back, Sling and Quack, um, week after Cal, week preceding Arizona State. I'm Rusty, joined by our special guest. Hi, y'all. That's you, yeah. Uh, Sean and I um, have had scheduling conflicts again, um, but you got to give the people what they want, so Sling and Quack is back. Just ditch that guy, man. He's no good for you. (laughs) You can do better. No, Sean's work schedule is crazy because he works retail and he's he's prime. So he's asked to come in like all the time when people like don't show up. They just never work retail. Right. So we'll figure it out. Um, We got time. It just came up out of nowhere for this week. So, but luckily we have our special guest on call. Um, So... Oregon played Cal. Yeah. All right. Continuing. <laughs> Oregon played Cal. Lost forty-nine to fifty-two in double overtime. How do you feel about the game? You know, um, honestly, for ending in a similar fashion to the Colorado game from earlier this year. I could not feel more different about those two games. Um, the Colorado game made me go on a long, solitary walk. <laughs> Walking and, the dogs. <laughs> no, just by myself at 11 o'clock at night. I was just so sad. Um, but after the cow game, I, you know, I feel positive. Obviously, there are drawbacks. I mean, we lost the game, and losing is not fun. Um, but I felt, I felt like our young players played well. I felt like our offense had moments where it actually looked like Oregon's offense. Right. Uh, second half, I mean, we were moving the ball well. Uh, Herbert, I mean, what can you say about a guy that throws six touchdowns in his uh, away debut as a true freshman that's that's it's not bad i'll tell you what i'll tell you what he doesn't shouldn't be doing throwing interceptions and double overtime just kidding that's i'm sure that's been a a hot take yeah Uh, and that's why if you are an athlete just don't go on twitter ever just avoid it at all (laughs) times never do it um i i felt pretty good you know it's Obviously, we're readjusting our expectations, right? I mean, if we were expecting to go to the national championship, then that would have been a crushing loss. But after, what, six games in the season, that was our seventh game, um, the expectations have changed, and really my priority for the remainder of this season is I want to see growth, uh, especially in the younger players. And I saw that. I mean... Troy Dye and Brendan Schooner are schooler, sorry, are um, I mean, they're the top two tacklers on the defense, and they're they're both true freshmen. That's pretty incredible. Um, some would say that's a really bad sign, and they've certainly had their freshman moments, but um, you know, overall, it gives us something to build off of. What about you? I feel very good about it for a variety of reasons. One, 
I've already reset expectations like a few weeks ago. Like me, my expectations were set in stone. And so this surpassed them. Um, the only way it wouldn't have been met is if they had just folded after they were down like 21-3. Cause yeah. I think every single person, including myself was like, all right, we're just gonna, I went in the game with no expectations. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm just gonna sit down for a nice evening of Oregon football. And uh, just watching it nonchalantly, just like picking out things that I like. Um, and then all of a sudden it got dangerous because in the third quarter, I had hope for a win. I had hope. And it was, there were a few things that I really, that really caught my attention was, well, A, um, the youth on the team and how well they were performing. Um, second, uh, you just went from A to second. Come on now. Oh, A. Okay. Okay. Uh, B, I was really impressed with how the game went along. The team got much better. Like, in the second half, Oregon gave up 11 points total. 11 I, points. I did not know that. That's pretty good. A three-point third quarter. In an eight-point fourth quarter, so they gave up two scores in the second half, and then um, Herbert's thing right now, like exceptional, like he went twenty-two of forty, which is pretty good for a freshman on the road. He was asked to do a lot. Um, he just loves throwing bullets. He is also. Uh, athletically, he is what Jeff. We were promised with Jeff Lockie, where he is kind of sneaky fast. He is sneaky fast, and he's and, and he does okay on on the mesh points in in the read pass options. And his he had a couple throws where his arm really impressed me. Oh yeah, and it's, I mean he, to get it under control, he, he had some overthrows, but he has a live arm. Oh yeah. And, I mean, that's going to happen when you're playing your second game and you're still 18. Like, six months ago, you were at prom. That dude has the babiest of baby faces. Yeah. And so it was – it's it's one of those two where you're like, even next year, he's going to be significantly better. better. And the year after that, it's going to be – it's going to be legit. Because as as time has gone on, it's obvious that um, there are like Oregon's offense scored forty nine points total. That should be enough to get a win, and so the offense can still run well with a quarterback who's good. Um, I would say like Herbert is currently under the category of good with an incredibly high ceiling. Um, I think that when we get it to, like, unbeatable levels, that's when a quarterback has been there for at least one year going on two years. Yeah, I mean, it's anytime you have a quarterback, and even for how good Vernon Adams was, um, anytime you have a quarterback no matter how experienced they are, talented they are, in their first year in a system, there's going to be some growing pains. 
that's just kind of to be expected. Um, not to put a damper on the, the Herbert train, but I, honestly, I think it really, uh, whatever it does, it, it sets us up really well for the future because we have a lot of talented quarterbacks coming in anyway. I mean, we have Terry Wilson on, on the bench right now. He's a true freshman, and he was really high, highly rated coming in. Right. You know, people were raving about him in spring practice in terms of especially his athletic ability. So no matter who ends up being the starter long term, I think everybody right now rightfully so thinks it'll be Herbert. But no matter who it is, I think we're going to be in a good position because the more competition you have – the better position you're going to be in. Right, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that the competition factor and just the depth is so important. Like, I know we texted about this last week, but, like, for example, um, when you have talent up and down the depth chart, it's not only important on game days, but having, like, four-star guys like on practice squads is huge like just going up against like and having just talent up and down the depth chart just makes practices so much better like uh like one of the stories that i saw i can't remember who wrote it i think it was dan wetzel um he was writing about alabama's like crazy depth and that when one of their like starting safeties went down um against texas a&m the guy who filled it was another five-star recruit who had been sitting the bench for two years, and he was finally cracking the two deep, and he goes in and he has like four tackles, two pass breakups, and an interception. Just because every day he had to compete against other four- and five-star guys who would be the cornerstone of like any other defense um, in order to get that spot. And so like with Terry Wilson, uh, like Travis Johnson came in super high, and the competition factor, he hasn't made the cut this far, and he was pretty open about it that he needs to step his game up if he wants to play quarterback. And I think that's the right reaction to have. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's a little unrealistic to say, uh, you know, oh, we're going to have four stars on the scout team. Um, you know, the, there's only one Alabama, um, but the overall point that you're making is completely valid. Um, you know, coaches say this all the time that the better a, a scout team is, the better the team is going to be. Right. And that's, you know, completely true. You, um, the harder your practices are, the easier your games are going to be. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, one of the things that I hear anti-health a lot is, um, uh, people are saying that he can't recruit and I mean I, like I guess I just don't really see it um, I've been really pleased with the last classes um, I mean you see true freshmen making an impact all over the field right now granted on a team that's not doing as well as we have been in the past but um, there's, there's only so much you can ask of a true freshman uh, and right. if they're in the opportunity they're taking advantage of it, and most of the freshmen that have played uh, have done really well. Uh, and that's not even counting Dylan Mitchell, who is probably the highest rated of all of them, who I think everybody thinks once he gets healthy will be a, 
a playmaker for us down the road. Um, that kind of brings me to a, another point that I thought I would never see it happen this year is our wide receiver depth right now is minimal. Um, right. When we were, man, when we were coming into the season, I was like, I, I thought we had six guys that could start for other teams. Yeah. And, and it, you know, we, we still have some playmakers. I mean, Jalen Brown caught a touchdown again last game. Um, he, I, I thought he's run some really good routes. His best plays of the year has probably been a couple blocks that he's set. Um, so we still have some playmakers outside, but and, and this goes all, all for the whole team, but especially the wide receivers and especially the linebackers. Man, the injuries are mounting. It's hard to do anything when your half your team is banged up. Yeah, and I think that's why we saw a lot more two tight end sets against Cal. So yeah, I, I mean, a lot of Darren Carrington's limitations, I think, have shown up. Like sometimes he really just breaks from being fundamental. Like on a few of the deep balls, he was just like, "Why would you take that angle on that pass?" And I know, like, his entire career, it's kind of been, like, he's one of those guys that just doesn't seem to get, like, performance anxiety ever. Like, he's literally incapable of having it. Um, what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, of just, like, the pressure and everything. Like, it just never seems like it gets to him. And he just kind of looks goofy when he's out there playing. Like, he just kind of looks goofy at times. Um... And, like, some of the catches or, like, some of the deep balls that he went for were just, like, uh, it was, like, there there was a one where he, like, looked over his shoulder and then started backpedaling, then turned around to run forward, and he did, like, a full 360 and ended up, like, a yard behind the pass. Yeah, you know, it's, I think with a player like him, he, he's talented enough and he's a game breaker where you just got to take the good with the bad, um, because more often than not, it's going to be good. Um, speaking of de- of depth, though, in, in terms of one area where we have had injuries, uh, but man, our our depth is showing up is the running back position. Oh my god! Andy Brooks James has been on fire since Royce has been out in the Nebraska game. Um, I mean. Royce Freeman had, what, 10 yards on 15 carries last game? Yeah. And He's still Tony not Brooks right. And, and did not miss a beat. I mean, that guy can run inside. He can run outside. Um, he had, what, maybe two touchdowns called back? Um, he, had, he had the one that would have taken Oregon to the two-yard line, and Oregon ended up hunting that drive. That's right, the the opening one. That's the one I was thinking of. Right, and then there was the photo. There, like they overruled it on uh, after reviewing it, and then the photographer tweeted out a photo and was like, "What do you think?" And it was like the foot was clearly in bounds by like yeah. inches. Pack twelve refs. Pack twelve refs, baby. What what can you say? Pack twelve refs gonna. Do what they do. Yeah, no pride in that organization. How is that unit still so bad? Like, have some self-respect. Like, it just makes me mad. Like, you're the joke of the of the country for like five straight years, and it's the same level. You could say the same thing about Mizzou. 
good one. Um, yeah, Tony Brooks James. I know you said that you think he is faster than LaMichael James. I... It could have been hyperbole in the moment. I I think in their prime, if you lined them up against each other, it would be a dead heat. Um, He's real fast. And maybe it's just – maybe I think the thing about it is he looks so easy when he runs. I mean him and and Taj Griffin both just glide. Um, Whereas – I feel like LaMichael when he ran and you know obviously it's been a couple years since you actually like saw him run but when LaMichael ran he was running fast yeah with with Tony Brooks James and Taj Griffin they're moving fast and that's like our I know it's like playing with words and it's a really subtle distinction but those guys fly man they (laughs) we're still one of the fastest teams in the country uh, at that position without a doubt yeah and I mean Taj Griffin is fantastic when he's used correctly um, yeah he's never going to be an inside between the tackles pounder um, he's more like a D'Anthony you get him the ball and you just see what happens <laughs> just uh, go do some cool stuff I'm surprised he isn't returning kicks yeah, right? Me too. I mean, I feel like we've kind of cycled through kick returners. Obviously, we started with Charles and then moved to Darren. And on punts, yeah. Yeah, on, on punts. And he's uh, – although Tony Brooks James is returning kickoffs. But, yeah, I would like to see Dodge Griffin do a little bit more in terms of returns. Maybe it's because he's smaller. Maybe coaches think he can't really take, uh, you know, I. 200 pound guy running 70 yards down the field and hitting him straight on uh, which I think is maybe valid but yes he, he doesn't have a habit of running straight into people <laughs> yeah which which is odd for a little guy but you know you do you man yeah um, Tony Brooks James has just been unbelievable he's just been unbelievable completely exceeded all <laughs> expectations Herbert Whoa. also had 56 yards rushing on 9 carries yeah, he's he's an athlete, man. And then I mean, uh, you look at him, and it's this big, goofy white dude. You kind of expect him <laughs> to sit in the pocket, but pocket passer, coach's kid, gym yeah, rat. It's a real gym rat. He studies the playbook, knows exactly when to break off those routes. If if he, if he was a wide receiver, he would be a great route runner. He'd be the guy that's willing to go over the middle and stick his nose in there. Um, also, I think it was cool too that of uh, Herbert's six pa- touchdown passes, there were five different receivers. Charles Nelson caught two, Farrell Brown caught one, Johnny Munt caught one, uh, Jalen Brown caught one, and Evan Bayless caught one. That's a lot of tight ends. It's three tight ends, yeah. Uh, I-, I think. Um... This was, although I, I I wouldn't say I wasn't a fan of Dakota Prukup when he was starting, um, but one of my criticisms criticisms of him was that it always seemed that he was a one read quarterback, um, and then he would, you know, just force it somewhere, or that was his read and that's where he was going. 
Um, it, it seemed in the two games that Justin Herbert has played that he's more willing to get get through the progressions um, and look to a second or third receiver or a check down guy and, and just take it easy five yards as opposed to, you know, throw, fitting it in between two guys. Um, so I, I think that's positive, especially for a guy as young as, as Justin Herbert is. Um, you know, like I said, it, I called him a big goofy white guy, but I'm, <laughs> I'm all aboard the Justin Herbert train because he, he's played really well and hopefully that trajectory just continues. Yeah, I think it's got an incredibly high ceiling. Um, and then, like, we're going to have four starting linemen back next year. We're going to have Brooks James, Taj Griffin, I think Kenai Benoit is back. Um, and then, like, it's just uh, offense. It's just going to be ridiculous. And on defense, we get, like, everybody back, too. Although, of note, uh, Rob Mosley tweeted out, like, a projected depth chart at one point during the game, and he was like, you gotta love the youth. And everybody who's like, oh, Rob Mosley just blowing sunshine, rah, rah, rah. It's like, yeah, that's his job. Get over it. Come on, Rob. Come on, Rob. It's like, come on. Get me. What are you expecting him to say? As, a, as an employee of the athletic department, wow, these guys really suck. Fire health. Think about the kids, Rob. <laughs> yeah, like, what, what are you guys expecting? Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but he tweeted out a picture of like a projected depth chart that he put out. Freeman was not on the list, obviously. Yeah. Darren Carrington was not on the list, which is not surprising. No. Um, although I think if he comes back for another year, that would really help his draft stock, in my completely unprofessional opinion. Um, and then third, though, this was the one that was that stood out to me was Arian Springs. Yeah. He's a junior. Which- is interesting because, uh, especially after last week, because he barely played after last week, and I haven't really heard anything about that. I, I'm not sure if you have, but um, I, I mean, he got burned for one touchdown um, where he jumped on a double move, um, and then he didn't really ever see the field again after what the first quarter. Um, so. I, I'm interested to see what happens with Arian because I think when he's on his game, I mean, like you saw in, in the Nebraska game, he's one of our best defensive players. Uh, oh, yeah. So it, it'll be interesting. I, if I was uh, advising Arian Springs on whether to try and make the leap into the NFL, um, I mean, I think I think he's probably big enough he might not be fast enough, um, but who knows? You know, I, I'm not a professional scout. Um, I don't, I don't do this shit for a living. But who knows, man? It, but that was interesting. It, it was a little bit surprising because I think if you asked most people about will Arian Springs go pro, the answer would be. A confused look, and I know, of course not. But we'll see. Who knows, yeah. man? I think if he comes back, um, I, I think he's been 
consi- gotten consistently better over the last two years since he started starting, uh, and hopefully that would continue. And with all the the young talent that we have on the defense. Um, I, I do think there's some real potential there, even though we're going through a rough period right now. Yeah. Um, also of note, Ugo played really well this week. Um, you know who's really impressing, though? Tyree Robinson. You know who's also really impressing? Not to get you off your Tyree Robinson kick. But, uh, oh, man, how do you, I'm going to screw up his name. Kaulana Apelu, linebacker, sophomore. I don't know if you noticed, but he was getting a lot of run, uh, especially in the second half. And apparently he's been running with the ones in practice this week. Um, that guy's. if you've noticed on special teams, on kickoff coverage, he's been right around the ball all year long, just like Fotu Leatu. And okay. he starts the field. Um, he was thudding dudes. So I, I was impressed. Uh, but going back to your original point, yes, Tyree played a really good game. Uh, I think at this point over the last two years or one year and a half, it's pretty obvious that the best Tyree ever plays is when he's that boundary corner and he can press a guy and get him off their route and then just use his length to dictate whatever the wide receiver can do. Yeah. It's just, he is, to me, like, the most improved. Like, he finally found his fit. And I think it's one of those things where I'm not comparing him to this player. I'm comparing the situation to, like, Richard Sherman. Like, Richard Sherman would struggle in a lot of different defensives. uh, defensive strategies but when he's paired up or like paired with like Pete Carroll's cover three defense he's like the perfect player for the perfect situation I think think Tyree kind of found that I mean they're they're certainly putting him in the position to be the most successful for his talents yeah and so that's positive I mean it's like I said at, at the very start of this podcast, um, yeah, losing sucks, but there were a lot of positives to take out of the cow game, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Is, you know, it's you just gotta look for the growth. What do you think about Arizona State? What what are your um, what's your ideal outcome of the Arizona State game? A win. Other than obviously a win. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'd like to see Oregon's defense stopping the run or significantly slowing it. Like, they can pass for a ton of yards, but I would just like to see their offense be one-dimensional. I have a list of, of course. three things Three things that I would like to see. And I also want Herbert to do well against blitzes. I know Arizona State hasn't blitzed as much as they did last year, but they may just bring it constantly on Herbert since he's going to be in his third start. Put put him on the pressure. Put pressure. I agree. So that was going to be one of my things, but I, I added another one, so I still have three. I want to see 
Royce hopefully healthier. Yes. If if Royce can get over four and a half yards per carry, I'll be very happy because that's yes. a good sign. Uh, I want to see. What did I want to see? Oh, I want to see Troy Die and Schooler continue to just wreck stuff on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I'm interested to see how the uh, Hotchkiss, Apalu, and one other linebacker um, starting starting linebacker squad will, will work. Or sorry, it might not be Hotchkiss because Hotchkiss might be hurt. But it might be tr- die Hotchkiss and Apelu. Um And I'm interested to see if Helfrich takes up the uh, Mike Leach bandwagon and calls Todd Graham chicken shit after the game. That was great. If that, that happened, because I, one of the other uh, criticisms I hear from fans about Coach Helfrich is that he has no personality, which I disagree with personally because I've been around Coach Helfrich and I, I think he's a pretty funny guy. Um, but if something happened where Coach Helfrich was caught on tape uh, <laughs> saying that Todd Graham and his Britney Spears microphone was chicken shit, I would <laughs> be forever indebted to Coach Helfrich. That was so funny. So those are my three things other than a win and other than Justin Herbert taking advantage of the blitz because you're right, Arizona State, uh, even though they're not blitzing as much as they have the last couple years, they still blitz a ton, and all that means is open space uh, to run if we can make some completions. Yeah, I think Herbert against the blitz, just getting the uh, same score, like stopping the run. Um, one thing that has really kind of surprised me is. Um, I think last year there was like a certain like essence of like the older players who were really good like kind of doing the leading by example thing just like all right we're on the train like you can keep up if you if you want and everything but like this train's going and I think that there was like a certain vacuum created when a lot of those when a lot of those players left that I don't think was filled at the beginning and I think over the last few weeks we've seen like schooler especially be very vocal about things you can see him getting after people you can see troy die has been like everyone's circling around troy die like everyone's been circling around um justin herbert and i think that we've really found all of who all of whom are true freshmen troy die and schooler lead the team in tackles um I think that there's definitely a nucleus of leaders for the next few years that you've started to see. And I know Tyree Robinson especially was one of the other guys who was getting after um, players on defense who he felt weren't giving it their all on the sidelines. I also felt, too, that in the Cal game, Bilotti's comments were really telling because... I know he still has, he still knows people in the athletic department, and he's been a coach. And so I found it interesting that 
like he was saying like uh, oh like the players need to be performing or like the players need to decide if they want to play or not and that he wasn't saying like he was questioning the defensive calling a lot like pretty much throughout the entire game and I thought he did like a great job giving above average insight but I found it really interesting the things that he wasn't saying all the time he was on TV for four hours he didn't say like they're being out coached like the like the team like there's no leadership like uh the coach has lost control or whatever so yeah and well i mean part of that i think is the way the game's set up i mean obviously if the team had just quit in the second half then it it would have given way to comments like that um but one one thing for sure is that team did not quit. Absolutely uh, not. Second half, they, they they had every reason to, um, with a four game losing streak and being down by a, a good amount at halftime, and and they came out and they kind of bowed their backs a little bit and said, "All right, enough is enough. Let's play some freaking football." Right. Yeah. So. Outscored uh, Cal twenty-eight to eleven in the second half. Yeah, I mean it's a team that has quit on the season doesn't do that. So I I think that's one question that was answered in that Cal game. It is you know everybody was making uh, a, a whole stink about Cameron Hunt's thirty to forty percent of the team doesn't care if we win or lose comments after the UW game. I think that was a heat of the moment number he gave out, but I could believe that there's a sizable group of players. Thirty to forty was, I think. Yeah, it was I mean, the heat I, of the I, moment. Out of a what, hundred and five, hundred and twelve team uh, person team, that that's a lot of people. Um, yeah, but I, I think any, regardless of whatever percentage or number or whatever, um, that question was answered because. The way that the team performed in the second half, um, and even right after their loss, when you saw Coach Helfrich and five or six guys immediately go and pick Justin Herbert literally up off the turf uh, after his interception, you know that that shows that there's a team that cares about each other, and there's a team that cares about the rest of the season. So. As long as we keep seeing effort and intensity like that, um, as well as improving on execution, then I think we're headed in the right direction. Um, you know, really the key is going to make it's going to be to make this one year an aberration rather than the start of a downward trend. Yeah. Also, f- closing comment. Uh, just pulled up ESPN's recruiting class of the committed players. Uh, four-star defensive back, four-star athlete, four-star tight end Y, which is like a big receiver tight end, four-star defensive end, uh, four-star offensive guard, four-star defensive tackle, four-star running back. You can't so see the face right saying. now, maybe, but... <laughs> So what you're saying is, um, 
Cannot All of our recruiting rankings are inflated, and these guys suck. Yep. Yep. That's, that's basically what you're saying. Yep. And this is an industry that uh, will give a guy an extra star if, like, Texas or Alabama or somebody offers them and will take a star away when someone uh, commits to a lesser school. And then the well, other guy's uh, three-star inside linebacker, three-star tight end, uh, three-star defensive back, uh, three-star kicker. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Got to replace Matt Wogan. He's a senior. Yeah, and then a uh, junior college offensive tackle. Junior college, a.k.a. high school with ashtrays. Well, um, you know, I I don't read into ra- rankings too much. Um, I mean, you do have aberrations like, uh, who, what was his name? Oh, oh, that's right, Marcus Mariota. Um yeah, you, you have uh, famously two-star two star Scooby from last year. I hate that guy. Um, I mean, I think Schooler was a three-star. Um, but on overall trends, the more stars you have, the better the team is going to be. Right. And I, I think we're doing okay on, on recruiting. I mean, obviously – at some point, you got to get them to sign on the on the dotted line and actually use a fax machine, which I'm sure will be the only time that these kids ever use a fax machine in their life. Um, but you know, it will be fine. Recruiting wise, we have nice facilities. We got shiny uniforms. Oregon is a really nice place to be, even if it's really far from home for these people. Uh, as long as we keep some of that culture that made Oregon so valuable in the past 10 years we'll do okay yeah yeah fun fact Terry Wilson was a four star recruit coming in Herbert was a three star Troy Dye was recruited as a three star safety um let me see who else is on here what'd you say I said so much for that yeah um, who's another guy? Where's a schooler on here? Probably down at the. I don't even see him on here. No, I don't even see him. I'm on ESPN for anybody who cares. Yeah. I don't know. Now right. we need to get to the bottom of it. Yes, now this is the most important thing I could be possibly looking for right now. Um, just go to his rivals page. I'm go- I'm looking at 24/7 right now. I'll oh, see they have Terry Wilson as a three star on 24/7. This whole mill is a joke. They're this saying whole, This whole thing, Brendan Schooler, not ranked. All right. He's doing okay, though. He's doing okay. Let me see. I'm just like, how is he not ranked? Apparently, he's a late bloomer. Oh, two-star recruit, according to the Daily Emerald. The bastion of reporting. That is the Daily Emerald. Yeah. All right. Exactly. So there you go. I mean, yeah, overall, obviously, 
recruiting rankings matter, recruiting stars matter. Just look at Alabama, look at Ole Miss, you know. Um, but for every Alabama and Ole Miss, you have Georgia, who just lost to Vanderbilt. So Michigan you know, State's two and five. Notre Dame is two and five. This is just a weird year. Everybody's terrible except Alabama. My, and let's, my be, let's be real. If Alabama plays Michigan, like that would be a decimation. An here's absolute my, decimation. My theory is that something happened. We're in an alternate universe because the Cubs are good and everyone else sucks. <laughs> the Cavs won the uh, NBA NBA championship. Cubs are playing for the World Series, and everybody in football sucks except for Alabama. I pretty much. Oh my God! That ending for Ohio State Penn State was a monstrosity. That was wonderful. Ohio State could not protect. Oh my god, it was awful just watching that. And the was, a kick six for the win. A kick six. Oh, the so best, much. my favorites. I love them. They're, you know, even if we're losing games, college football is fun as hell. Yeah, it is. It really is. It is. And I highly recommend that everybody watch the CBS games at 1230. The commenters for that game are by far my favorite not named Bill Walton because they're so good but they're so funny at the same time like Alabama was playing Texas A&M like oh he's leaving the field the starters leaving the field they got a backup in let's see if Alabama takes care of it and they snaps oh they're going after the defensive back oh no oh no you just hear the stadium just like exploding and you see the commentators go oh no and like the backup is just getting shredded on his way down the field are you talking about Vern? Yeah, well, both of them. Oh, Vern is great, man. They both work off each other so well. It's yeah, I, it, it's wonderful, especially because Vern's retiring. Where I've I've heard him say at least two or three times this season, he'll say something, and then uh, I, I think that his partner's Gary Danielson, if I think if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, you know, he'll he'll say something back, and then Vern just goes. What are they going to do? Fire me? <laughs> it's like Obama right now on his tours. He's like, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I'm not, I'm not up for election. I'll say what I want. I'm on my way out. If, if you don't love, and I am not a fan of commentators, but if you don't love Vern, you don't love him I don't know, yet. man. I mean, just like, just stop watching college football. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, cool. This went way longer than we were anticipating. You know what's funny, too, is I think we were talking about Oregon football for about 20 minutes before we started recording this. Oh, my God, we didn't even get to basketball. That's all right. We could get it another week when uh, when Sean bails again. Yeah. Yeah. Jerk. But uh, moral of the story for Oregon basketball, we got a bunch of guys returning. We got a bunch of talented guys coming in. We're going to be real good. I am so confident about next year. I am irrationally confident about next year. Yeah, so for Oregon to make a bowl, not likely. They have to win four of their next five um, with games against Arizona State, USC, Stanford, Utah, Oregon State. I'd like to remind everybody that everybody is bad. Everybody is bad. 
I think all of those are in the realm of possibility. They may not be super likely, but it's possible. Hey, man. The Browns have a 39.3% chance to beat the Jets this weekend, so anything is possible. Anything is possible! All right, All right, let's just cut All right. it off. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, well, thanks for listening this far. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and see you guys next week.